Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. Good morning and welcome back. This is Brad Furlan, your host of Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in historic Waterbury, Vermont. Uh, chilly morning out there. I went out into the barn early this morning to bring water to my sheep and uh, one of our heated buckets was totally frozen. The other one was not. Uh, threw them hay. They were all pretty happy, although I didn't grain them this morning. And if you know sheep, sheep love grain. So uh, when I get back, I'll have to make an amends to them and uh, get, get some grain out to them. We were talking with Paula Diaco, who is a writer and a writing coach. And if you've got that in your blood, uh, go to her website and uh, connect with her because she uh, can help you get get along on your journey. I'm very excited about my next guest. Uh, we we have uh, some commonality uh, in in our birthplace, and I welcome to the show Karen Paul. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome. We're we're both Mary Fletcher Hospital kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I I may have been there a little earlier than you, I think. Uh, so that that uh, you've got a long history in Burlington. Well, we can all, we can all uh, we can make a lot of choices about a lot of things in our lives, Brad. But we can make the choice where we're born, and. Uh, the Mary Fletcher Hospital was uh, was where I was born, and uh, I don't know if it was before or after you, but um, I grew up in Burlington, and um, am very you know very proud of the fact that uh, my my mother was born in Burlington, my grandmother was, uh, my great grandparents were not born in Burlington. They came they came to Burlington. Um, Escaping persecution in Eastern Europe and uh, settled in Burlington in the old North End. Uh, their house is still standing on St. Louis Street, and um, uh, as was the house that my 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 mom grew up in um, on the same street. They lived on the same street. So, yeah, um, have been have been in Burlington for a really long time, and my husband and I have three children who like me, went to Burlington schools, graduated from Burlington High School, and uh, are off to some degree. One still lives, one still lives here. Um, the other two are back and forth. Um, but uh, yeah, Burlington is, Burlington my, is my home and, um, and, a, and a great place to live. It is a great place to live. And so let's get back to your great grandparents. They emigrated to Burlington uh, to, from Russia and, with probably not too much uh, possession, did what was what was the livelihood for them back in the day in Burlington? Well, you know, it's 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 funny when I when I watch, uh, um, you know, when I watch Fiddler on the Roof, um, I think about my great grandparents because a lot of uh, a lot of that story is about you know is about them. Um, you know, there were pogroms that were going on uh, in Europe, in Russia and Eastern Europe in the late 19th century. Uh, they were organized, really, you know, organized massacres of, uh, uh, you know, of, of 
of a particular group of uh, of Jewish people um, in in Russia and in Eastern Europe, and many people fled at that time. My great grandparents were one of them, and uh, started a you know, I mean, it was a very you know, it was a very interesting time. Um, the old North End has always been, to to some degree, a, a a vibrant area of the city of Burlington, known for welcoming um, uh, people that were new to Burlington, and that was where what it was for my great grandparents when they came here. Um, I am named after my great grandmother, who I who I did not meet, who passed away long before. I was born, um, but you know it's it's a it's a family heritage, and you know just sort of the background that we have that's been kept alive through my my mother, my grandmother, me, and you know as, as I passed along to my children. Um, my grandparents um, did have uh, a, my grandfather ran a convenience store long before there were supermarkets. Um, after my parents were able to um, buy a home, um, they moved on to Shelburne Road. And if you go to Dunkin' Donuts on Shelburne Road, right next door is a, a building. That was where my my mom most my mom grew up most of most of her years of growing up. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there was a convenience store in the in the in the on the first floor. It was like a little market, and uh, that was my grandfather. He ran that market, uh, uh, you know, as I say, long before there was Price Chopper and Shaw's and Hannaford. That was how people, that was how people, you know, people got groceries. And there are many stories that my, that my mom has told me about, uh, particularly during the depression of the number of people that my grandfather, you know, just gave food to people that were really, really struggling at that time. And, uh, you know, all of those stories, Brad, are the things that shape you. Um, you know, they're they're part of the reason why I do some of the work that I do uh, for the city, and uh, I remember them and think about them often. Yeah, um, it's you've got, and we'll get into uh, your dad and and uh, his his sort of work with the city as well. But I want to return. Um, interesting. Uh, the, the area that your grandparents uh, were in uh, at one point was called Little Jerusalem. And um, mm-hmm. in the writing, you've got a small, close-knit community in the heart of the Old North End. Was the synagogue the one that they discovered the mural in and and, and uncovered, or, or was that different? Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, and, I mean, the Little Jerusalem was uh, a neighborhood in Burlington's Old North End, it was particularly along North Street, and the community was a vibrant place, um, you know, mostly between like the 1880s and, you know, 1930s or so. Um, there were, uh, it, it was modeled after what the people who lived there knew, and what the people who lived there who had fled Eastern Europe knew was that sort of close enclave uh, kind of community, kind of community. Um, the, you know, the, the old North End probably at the time was considered maybe even a little rural. Um, you know, so it's hard for us to really relate to, and I certainly don't really relate to it in that way, but mm. the, it had the characteristics of a, a rural 
Eastern European, Eastern European village. And, um, you know, it, it, you know, it faded over time. And, you know, I think, I think to some degree over the second world war, as people became, you know, more a part of the community and they branched out, there certainly were many families that went into what then became the new North end and certainly the South end and all over the city of Burlington. Although there were places where they were unable to, um, to own property, um, but they certainly were all over the city of Burlington. Um, and it was a, it was a, it, it was centered around the synagogue, like, like you can imagine. Yeah. Um, the, the, the lot, the, the mural, um, was an amazing discovery. And I do remember, um, I do remember going to see it the first time that I saw it and, Thinking, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. It's now sitting, of course, at the as, at Ohavi Zedek Synagogue, and um, but just an amazing piece of, uh, uh, you know, just something that we're just so fortunate. I mean, I, I credit a lot of people who have done so much work um, to bring that to to bring that to life. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's just it's just such a neat thing. It, it was found. I'm trying to remember now what year it was that it was found, that they found it, because it feels like it, I mean, it was certainly well before COVID. I just can't remember now. Yeah, I um, think you're right. Yeah, I don't remember now, but it was, it probably was, maybe it was even 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's a, it's a wooden, it's, it's a piece of a wooden structure that was found, um, in a, in a building that, you know, if no one had known, you know, if no one had gone in the extra mile to to look at that building, that property before it was taken apart, we would have lost it. Um, so, yeah, if, if anyone hasn't seen it, they should go over and look in the it's literally when you walk right into the Ojave Zedek Synagogue, it's hanging right there and has been completely restored and is, uh, as you say, pretty amazing. It, it's I, I saw it at uh, the synagogue and it is absolutely beautiful the uh i also mentioned that my first pair of tyrolians was from mazels when i was a little kid <laughs> and uh so that was i knew a little bit about about the 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 uh the shopkeepers in the day uh early on and and you talk about the markets you know we think about Co-ad needs and um, freshettes and your and your grandparents mm-hmm. and all, all these that were really the heart of each little community in Burlington. Yeah, you know, and that and, and it's interesting, Brad, because that's to some degree, um, you know, a lot of what mattered to me when it came to what happened with um, what we refer to as Little Italy in in Burlington is that you know that in the Italian area of Burlington was raised through t- due to um, urban renewal and um, you know it was really a, a, a it was really a community being sort of destroyed and you know and uh, I mean displaced at least and uh, when a group of Italian uh, descendants of the people like Marola store and all of the other ones yeah. that were in the neighborhoods that were there came to me and said that they wanted to do some work by putting plaques up, you know, around that area. Um, and they had a celebration when the plaques went up and that was a number of years ago and the plaques are still there. Um, you know, it's, 
it's important for all of us to really appreciate um, where Burlington, how Burlington started, the number of people that came here and, um, you know, and, 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 and established neighborhoods in that way. And, uh, you know, and some of them are no longer here. Um, and some of them are no longer here because they were really forced out. Um, and that we need to honor that because, you know, and I'm, I'm always impressed when I, I'm always impressed when I'm like on, you know, on Battery Street or, and I see people reading the plaques mm. and, uh, and think, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad they're reading them because, you know, Burlington does have a hundred and, you know, I think it's 155 year history at this point, maybe a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't be where we are without, People coming and investing in Burlington many, many years ago, long before we were even a thought in people's minds. So um, I I do love the fact that we had many little enclaves and many little areas, and, and we still do. Um, you know, the names have changed, um, but they're still incredibly valuable to the future of Burlington and to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I loved reading about the fact that the plaques got developed. So thank you for your work on that. We're talking with Karen Paul. She is, uh, Burlington City Council President at the moment and is vying for, uh, a mayoral, uh, position, uh, in the March election. And I want to go back, you know, often I ask guests about, you know, does the apple fall far, far from the tree? And I'm reading about your dad. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your legacy with your parents? Sure, sure. So, th- and thanks again for asking. Thanks again for having me on. Um, I, uh, I, so I grew up with, uh, you know, in, in the south end of Burlington, um, uh, shortly before I was born. My parents bought a house on Robinson Parkway and uh, love that street. It's a it's a wonderful street um, right near the University of Vermont. Um, it's a horseshoe street, so you know you could play in the street um, because you know the only people that were coming on the street were uh, were people that lived there or people that were visiting someone there. It was a wonderful street to grow up on. Um, my father uh, was on the board of aldermen. Um, he served. Um, uh, for four years on the board of aldermen, which is now called the city council. And, uh, he would come home from work. Uh, we would have dinner and every Monday night he would go off to something that as I was very young at the time, I was probably about seven or eight years old and, uh, would often ask my father, what was he, you know, why was he, why was he disappearing after, uh, after dinner on only on Monday nights? And uh, he would say, you know, that he was going to City Hall and he was just going to City Hall to do his part for Burlington. And so, you know, that's how I grew up was uh, with uh, with a father who did that. I also, you know, my mom did a lot of work in the Burlington schools and, um, you know, did her her part uh, in terms of a lot of volunteer work at the time. Even city councilors didn't get paid, although. I will say we don't get paid a lot. We get paid a couple thousand dollars a year, but I guess you would call that paid volunteer work. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, you know, we, that, that was, you know, that was, that was what I saw, Brad, growing up. I saw, you know, I saw parents that were very committed to the community. I saw grandparents that were very committed to the community and, uh, was raised, um, to, uh, to give back. 
that, you know, it is incumbent upon those of us who are fortunate, those of us who have had, you know, many advantages in life, um, and those of us who have had very good lives to give back uh, to a city that has been incredibly good to my family. And so uh, I was approached 15 years ago to run for city council. Um, it was, I was surprised when people asked me to run. Um, the person that um, was the city councilor at the time had been a long time incumbent and uh, really wasn't thinking about running for office. I had two, I had at the time three young children. I think my oldest was like 12 and uh, wasn't really thinking about that. I had a full-time job. I had started a business and was running a business down in downtown Burlington. And this sort of came out of left field for me. Um, but I, I was encouraged to run and uh, enough people thought that I could win. And uh, so I ran and the rest was, that was 15 years ago, and here we are today. <laughs> Amazing. And and obviously you won that first election. I did. Well, I had run before. I had run a long time before that when my children were, I only had two children, and I ran against another incumbent, um, which is a sort of a funny story. I ran against another incumbent. I did not win. Um, he and I um, have become... Um, you know, good friends. Um, and certainly a testament to that is over the years that I have run for city council, he's actually served as my campaign treasurer. So, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, we, we stood outside at the polls the day that we were running against one another and, um, have a lot of similarities. We were at very similar points in our lives. And, uh, you know, when you stand outside with an, with a candidate, and it's really, really cold out. And, um, you know, you're standing there, you know, you you talk with one another. And as I say, here we are years later. And in the council races that I've had in the last probably 10 years, um, he he's agreed to serve as my campaign treasurer. So what a small world that is. And sort of Certainly a testament to Burlington, I would say. It's so great. And I don't think we can underscore, uh, to our listeners, uh, enough the, I occasionally come to Burlington to, uh, listen in on a city council meeting on some topic or another. And as the clock gets closer to 11 o'clock at night, I think, oh my God, you counselors, you are going so far above and beyond, you know, in service because it's, and you do it every, every other week, right? Is a council meeting? Uh, well, pretty much. I mean, the, so, you know, this is the, this is the ins and outs of serving as council president is that I, you know, even for all the years that I had served on the city council, I never really knew how who decided the council calendar and come to find out when I became council president that that's the person who determines the calendar. And so I, you know, I, I have tried um, in, of course, in concert with the rest of the council, because we all have to approve it to not have more than two meetings a month. Yeah. Um, there have been some council presidents that have wanted more than that. And, the other thing that I did, Brad, was, you know, we, we went and changed our rules about um, a number of items in our rules. We, you know, we have part of the city charter is the council rules. And so we have um, we we went and did a fairly significant rewrite 
of our rules in 2020, well, at the beginning of 2022. And one of the changes is that we now can adjust the time of public forum. Um, it used to always be at 7.30. And it, it meant that we had to, we were almost structuring our meeting around the public forum. And, you know, we can't do really any substantive business until we've had public forum. You know, obviously we want to hear from the public before we start making yeah. making decisions. Well, we've changed that. And so I, I, I would love to take all the credit for having shorter meetings, but they're really not shorter. They just start earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Which we, is good. So Practical, have, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we were starting our meetings at seven o'clock at night and that's why these meetings were going until two o'clock in the morning. Wow. And you know, and, you know, most of the people that serve on the city council, particularly now, have full-time jobs. And, you know, we were all like, you know, the walking dead on 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 on, on Tuesday morning. Yeah. Um, most of us, it was sort of a, a sort of a, a, a common point of, of humor among all of us that we never scheduled business meetings um, early in the morning on Tuesdays because we didn't know what time we would be leaving on Monday. Um so now the meetings do tend to start earlier. Um, public forum can be anywhere from between 6 and 7.30 as a start time. And uh, we we mostly, I, I would have to go back and look. I'd be interesting to know. Um, most of the meetings end before 10.30, 11. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's gotten better, but it's a little bit deceptive because we start earlier and most counselors wanted to start earlier because the reality is that nobody does their best work at two o'clock in the morning. And we were making very important decisions very late and it was not in anybody's best interest to do so. So we adjusted that and I think most city councilors and I think most of the public are very happy that if they want to listen to a council meeting, they're not listening at midnight. Yeah, for sure. And and I will say that you've been incredibly generous about uh, public um, being able to participate in your meeting in, in democracy. Um, Karen, I love the fact that you you know, you talk about sort of the values of the family values and, and the community values that, that were instilled in you. And over the last 15 years, you've served as a counselor. Can you tell us what some of the accomplishments that you're proud of as a counselor and as a community member? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I, you know, and of course, the other thing also that is rather, you know, um, pretty amazing and is that uh, when I was elected to the city council, um, it was to fill the seat that um, my father had held many years before. And it was something that he was incredibly proud of that, um, you know, he, 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 he walked around and I won't, I won't say that he told complete strangers that, but he certainly <laughs> went around and told a few other people, um, which, uh, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there, there's nothing more than a proud father. Right? Um, but, um, you know, I, so, you know, the reason why I was encouraged to run Brad in the first place, you know, aside from the, you know, the roots that I have in the community is I, I was encouraged to run because of my financial background. Um, you know, I have a decades of, 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 uh, you know, work experience in finance and in management. 
I'm a CPA. Um, you know, I I have a I have a love of I have a love of what many people find fairly road and boring, which is you know audits and budgets and um, and fi- and finance and spreadsheets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're incredibly important to the functioning of a city. Um, you know, when I first got elected, I was a little surprised at the way the city's finances worked in terms of um, you know they they were not. You know, cities are not always very modern in terms of technology, and um, you know they they had some rather archaic ways that they they did some of the work that they did. Um, there also were practices that were that were not best practices. Um, and I spent the first couple of years um, when I was on the city council uh, working on to. Uh, to get us to a place where there was much greater transparency with our finances, that the budgets were accessible. Um, and in particular, uh, we had a, an audit that had been done by the same company. Um, and the, the management letter, which is the letter that the auditor gives to the city that is put up on the city's website that shows what the auditor feels are deficiencies in our financial practices. That letter, when I first was elected, was around 60 pages long. Wow. And just by comparison, you know, most cities will have, you know, a couple of deficiencies and things that they need to work on. But there were many things that the city needed to work on. And, um, you know, as a city councilor, I tried to put in practice systems that effectively force the city to be accountable for those deficiencies. And in other words, you know, one of the things that I did was um, make it so that a department couldn't present their budget unless they had in before they presented the budget. They had to give us a, a list of what the deficiencies were in their particular department and how they were resolving them in the hopes that, of course, they wouldn't be in the management letter the next year. Mm-hmm. And. You know, I mean, we've whittled it down, whittled it down. I mean, I, you know, I, when, uh, when Moreau Weinberger became mayor, I said, you know, one of the biggest accomplishments, I think, will be a management letter with no significant deficiencies, a management letter that's under five pages. And that is, that is what we have today. Um, we have a, a management letter that, of course, there are always things that a, a city of this size can improve on. I mean, there's always things. But they're not significant deficiencies. In, in other words, they're not sig- deficiencies where a credit agency would say that is significant enough that we are we are not we are not going to raise your credit rating, mm-hmm. um, or we are going to lower your credit rating. Um, when when a when a credit rating agency like Moody's downgrades you, um, it's not a simple thing. Um, and it has significant ramifications, millions and millions of dollars of, of financing. In other words, we go out and we want to we want to do a street bond. Um, the interest on that street bond is directly linked to our credit rating. And you have a you have a credit rating that is low and it is going to cost you millions of dollars more in interest um, than if you have a stellar credit rating. So, you know, while it isn't the most exciting and tantalizing thing to talk about, it's incredibly important because if we want to move Burlington's values forward and 
Burlington's priorities forward as a city and we have to go and finance them, uh, that's going to start costing us a lot of money. So it is important. Um, uh, but, you know, those were some of the things that I did. The I also got elected a year be, a year before um, what became one of the more significant financial events of Burling, in Burlington's history, which was Burlington Telecom. Mm. And um, that was, uh, you know, that was a, a, a real fiscal challenge. Um, effectively, $17 million was unaccounted for. Um, there was a, a lot of finger pointing going on. Um, our credit rating started to sink. Um, and uh, we needed to do something. Um, there, there was a resolution that created um, a blue ribbon committee on Burlington Telecom. Um, the city council president at the time uh, was Bill Keough, and uh, there were two committees that um, uh, that did the work of of trying to figure out a solution, a resolution to the Burlington Telecom crisis, and. Uh, he asked me to serve on both of them. One was to do with governance and one was to do with audit. And uh, I feel that we it took a long time, but we got ourselves to a much better place with our finances. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people, Brad, or, or there are people sometimes who feel that, you know, that that was a, a chapter in Burlington's life that uh, that is it has been solved. And it has been solved in the fact that we don't have the Burlington Telecom crisis. But our city's finances will always be important. And um, while they aren't getting as much of the attention right now, um, we have some significant financial challenges right now um, that the next mayor is going to have to deal with and difficult decisions that are going to have to be made. And finances are never a box to be checked um, they are, it's an ongoing crisis always. There's always something that is challenging when it comes to finances in a small city. Um, and I am looking forward to being able to address them and address them in a transparent way that voters understand. Um, and what I find, Brad, is that when voters really understand what they're voting on and they know the stakes are high and they understand that there is a solution and that there is a plan that most of the time Burlington voters get behind it. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, we have plenty of challenges. It's not just public safety, although public safety of course is uh, the pervasive um, issue, um, but there are others. And um, I think a successful mayor is going to be able, is going to have to be able to address all of them. So on the uh, budget side of things, you, as a counselor, you're the recipient of reviewing a budget. Is that right? That the, mm-hmm. that the mayor, uh, produces and then it, it goes to the counselors. So you, in fact, would become the producer. Yeah. I mean, you know, it still is called the mayor's recommended budget. Um, that has sort of blurred a little bit, um, in the sense that, uh, and it was really to a large degree when, when Moreau became mayor, that uh, there has been much more involvement with the city council in developing the budget um, and developing priorities. And, um, you know, I know that in the years that I, I've been on the city council for 15 years, 11 of them have been on the board of finance, which is the uh, the body that, you know, the council elects, you know, members to the board of finance who serve with the mayor. 
although every city councilor is welcome to come to board of finance meetings, but we all have lots of committees and, you know, there's a limit to how much we can all do um, in attending every single committee meeting. But uh, we have all had input, the opportunity to express our priorities and what we want to see in the budget. And my experience has been that if you if you make those requests early in the budget set in the budget season, um, my experience has been from the current administration that those priorities have been honored. And um, I don't remember. I was I was only on the city council a short time while uh, Bob Kiss was mayor. Um, that, I, to the best of my knowledge, did not happen. Um, but I think there is a more collab- much more collaborative approach. Uh, with uh, with Mayor Weinberger than there was before. I can't speak to other mayors, but I, I can certainly in this particular administration um, that it has been a much more collaborative uh, uh, approach. I mean, obviously, Brad, there's a lot of things in the budget that are that are fairly obvious. Right. Um, you know, like any budget of any city, the majority of the costs are people, um, wages, benefits. Um, and, you know, and things that are, you know, that are fixed costs. Um, and then there's, of course, the, the buildings that we that we occupy and all that goes along with putting the lights on and heating those buildings. Um, you know, there isn't that much that is what you call wiggle room. Um, and that's in all city budgets. I do audits for other municipalities and Burlington is no different um, from many other municipalities in that respect. But there are there is room for priorities, and that's where the creativity comes in. Um, and uh, but yes, the the short answer to your question is that the budget is the mayor's budget, and the city council votes annually. And what I feel is really the most important vote that we make all year, which is the approval of the budget for the coming year. For sure. We're talking with Karen Paul. She is uh, currently the Burlington City Council president, has been for a couple of years, is running for mayor for the March election. Um, Karen, I suspect that voters are looking for uh, your view on your leadership and, and where the rubber meets the, the road uh, in terms of what your initiatives and uh, moving forward will be. Can you help us with that? Uh, sure. Um, it, you know, one thing I just wanted to also mention is that um, I agree um, that, of course, obviously, we do have a, uh, an election on town meeting day. We also have an election or a caucus before that. And uh, the caucus will be this Sunday. Um, this is the Democratic caucus in the city of Burlington. Um, it's going to be 100% virtual, and um, unless, of course, you need special accommodations in which they will be made for you to be able to vote in person. Uh, so it's this Sunday at 1 o'clock. Um, you can register online by going to btvdems.org, uh, and there is a form that you can fill out there. Or you can go to my website, which is karenpaulbtv.com, and right on the top of the homepage is a link to register to the caucus, for the caucus. Um, so that will determine the Democratic nominee uh, going into town meeting day. And the Progressive Party just had their nominating caucus a few days ago um, and have chosen their candidate. And, of course, there also could be independents that could come forward um, up until the, you know, through the month of January. 
Um, but uh, I have, you know, I, I announced that I was uh, running for mayor in uh, October 26th. And a few days later, came forward with a comprehensive three-year plan for public safety. Um, it's it's a month-by-month, step-by-step plan. I felt that the voters of Burlington, who are very concerned uh, about public safety, deserved to hear from any mayoral candidate with a specific plan, not not a lot of you know global ideas, but specific ideas um, and specific plans. Um, uh, to move the city forward to a place of greater public safety. Um, you know, amidst much that we have to be proud of in Burlington, our, seri- our, our city is faced with serious challenges, and serious challenges call for serious solutions. Um, I've tried to be solutions-based in my time on the city council, and as council president, after a couple of years of very contentious meetings and very contentious debates, and contentious relationships. Uh, I made it my mission to develop authentic and respectful, respectful relationships with my colleagues to show our community that we can be um, and we are going to model uh, uh, a um, that we are going to be a model of collaborative, uh, a collaborative and respectful body. Um, I've worked well with uh, counselors. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people like to say that they work across the aisle. Uh, you know, I, I feel that when it comes to things like that, that words, that actions really speak much, much louder than words. Um, you know, I was elected council president by uh, without a majority of my own party. Um, others who came to me and asked me to serve. And uh, the last couple of years have been um, fairly respectful and they have been collaborative. Um, I think one of the reasons why I'm running, Brad, is that, um, you know, right now there is a, a sense of urgency in the city, more so than, you know, I've lived here, you and I have we've lived here a long time, more so than any time that I can remember the sense of urgency to address the public safety issues that we have it is almost a palpable urgency. It's really all that people talk about. And, um, you know, aside from having a public safety plan, because you can't really move forward unless you have a plan, um, uh, I think that this at this time, more so than any other time, we need a bridge builder. We need someone who can bring consensus. We need someone who can get along and be able to work with anyone. Um, you know, I think one of the testaments to that work is the number of endorsements that I have, even within the city council. You know, city councilors can choose to, uh, you know, remain out of a mayor's race, um, and uh, and certainly um, some do. Uh, I think it's a testament to my work because these are the people that know me best, and these are the people that know other city councilors best. Um, three city councilors have chosen to endorse me. Um, two of two of two Democrats, one an independent, and as well as being endorsed by both Madeline Cunin and Howard Dean, as well as the uh, president of the Vermont State Senate, Philip Baruth, and a number of other former city councilors across party lines. Um, I'm excited by that because I'm excited that we can come together. We can do challenging things and we can overcome them 
Um, but we have to do it by all of us being on the same page and all of us working together. Um, that can come from someone who is respected by all who, and it's, you know, it's, and, and has deep connections in the community, well-earned connections, um, to address what is a very pivotal time in Burlington's history. So I am excited about getting going. Um, I am hoping very much that the voters who attend the Democratic caucus um, will will choose to give me the honor of of, of continuing in this race um, uh, to town meeting day and hopefully beyond. I was looking at the uh, what is titled the Paul Action Plan, and it sort of reminds me you you used your financial skills in a pragmatic way to put a public safety crisis document out that's very detailed and uh, give like you said it gives voters a real hands on of how you're going to approach you know what what you see needs to be done so they can find that at your uh, web page I believe. Yeah, I mean, if you go onto the website, uh, there's a spot for, uh, there's a spot that talks about platform. And when you go to platform, you'll see public safety. Um, you know, and you're right, Brad. I mean, I, you know, this is, this is how my, you know, this is how I work. And this is how I think people, ex- I think voters expect that we're going to, you know, we're really, we're really going to do the work. I, I think most people at this point are like, you know, we know what the problems are. We don't need you to tell us what the problems are. We see them every day, uh, and we want answers. We want solutions. Um, we, we don't want, um, you know, we don't want a list of, you know, a list of bullet points. We want what are you going to do and when are you going to do it and how are you going to get us to the other side? And, you know, the, the items that were listed in November, um, those have been done. Um, you know, one of the things that's on here was a, an, uh, was raising money to support downtown businesses during the holiday season. Um, I went through the budget. We found $50,000. I went to a private foundation, asked them for 50. Quite honestly, I hope to get 25. Um, but they gave 50. We have, um, in, increased enhanced security downtown. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that people are, very appreciative of that. Um, and I know the merchants are very appreciative of it. Um, downtown Burlington um, is a strong and vibrant marketplace. And um, by all of us supporting it and doing right by it, um, it will continue to thrive well and well in many decades to come. For sure. Uh, Karen, we're running out of time, but thank you so much for being on the show. The caucus is one o'clock on Sunday. If you want to get involved, this is where to do it. And, uh, one last quick, quick, quick question. Is there a, is there a Paul child who will follow the footsteps? <laughs> <laughs> Hard to know. I hope, I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Um, Brad, thank you so much. Thank you for your time, and thank you to your listeners. Yeah, great having you, Karen, and, and good luck in, in all you're doing. Thanks very much.